Welcome to With Heart and Wonder. This is a place for us to explore heart-centered living and to celebrate what it means to live with wonder, with awe and appreciation for the possibilities that are within us and around us. I'm Megan Johnston, and I am truly so honored and excited that you are here. Let's dive in and journey together. Welcome to episode 62 of With Heart and Wonder. My name is Megan. I'm a creativity coach and a yoga teacher, really passionate about helping you move from your head to your heart so that you can share more of your unique magic with the world with more creativity, courage, and compassion than you ever thought possible. This episode is all about redefining success. I'm joined by the lovely Sylvana Gatto from Be Wellness. A few years ago, Sylvana pivoted after feeling this sense of misalignment in her current career in tech sales. And she now serves that industry and other workplaces through corporate mindfulness. In this episode, we specifically are diving into the idea of success, success in the workplace and success beyond. It's a really juicy episode. And what I love most about it is that we get into some really tangible things that you can do to start to unravel the conditioning and whatever kind of beliefs you're carrying about success so that you can start to chart a path that feels really aligned with you and your values. Welcome, Sylvana. I am just so delighted to have you here with us today for what I think is going to be like such a potent and juicy topic of redefining success. And I would love for us just to start with why this is a topic that's close to your heart. Thanks so much, Megan. I'm so excited to be here as well. And this is a topic that is so close to my heart. And I think it's evolved over the years. Um, This concept of success is something that I've thought about for a long time. Starting my career back 10 years ago, it was always top of mind. Like, how was I going to be successful? How was I going to live out this definition of success. And I think back then my definition of success was a little bit, it was definitely different than it is today. I think it was influenced by external factors a lot more than it is today. But nonetheless, it was something that was top of mind and really drove me as I worked through a lot of personal and professional development work over the years. And it's one of those things that we all grow up with this idea of what success looks like. And too often, all of our definitions growing up look too similar. (laughs) And from a work perspective, that can mean money, it can mean status and power, and it can mean title, right? And we're being fed this information from the people around us, from society, from media. And if we're not careful, before we start our career, or before we get into the workforce, we can almost adopt this definition of success as our own and carry through 
and use that as our compass as we move forward. And sometimes we get to a point where we recognize something isn't lining up. Something doesn't feel right. Yeah. And unless we take that pause and that chance to reflect on why, we can end up chasing this definition of success for a long time. And for me, that's what happened a few years ago. I started to get this feeling as if I was out of alignment, as if I wasn't following a path that I actually wanted. And I was following these shoulds of what I should do based upon what other people say success looks like. And I was working in a corporate role. I had been spent 10 years almost in the tech space and sales and sales leadership roles. And it took me to experience this feeling of discomfort to recognize that I was out of alignment. And it took me a couple of years, and I'm sure we'll dive into it later on in this uh, podcast, but it took me a couple of years to recognize what that was and to really take a step back and start redefining success for myself and using that as a jumping off point to move forward and to make decisions from there. Absolutely. Oh, wow. So much there that we can explore and tease out. I was just like making some notes because I was like, oh yeah, so much there to talk about. And what I'd love to start with is just to get really concrete for a moment. Could you share with us, like, what was your definition of success? Like, what was the picture in your mind before and how has it changed? Like, what, what, what was it that you were chasing? I think from a very young age, let's say 15, 16 years old, I had this idea of what success looked like. And it was outside, like, yes, work, but life in general, right? And it was get get good grades at school, have good a good group of friends around you, get into university, do your degree, finish your degree, get a job early, you know, find the right guy get married, start working in your career, making, you know, $100,000, buying the house, all the check boxes that I saw in front of Mm. me. And I said, okay, Mm -hmm. I can do that. And I just started moving through and checking off those boxes one by one. And on paper, my life looked fantastic. And by no means was I disappointed with the life that I was creating for myself. But there was this feeling like this feeling of out of uh, being out of alignment. And I think at the time, I didn't necessarily know the words to use. I didn't know what alignment necessarily meant. But it was this feeling of discomfort or of confusion internally that made me recognize, okay, I'm checking these boxes, do I want to continue checking the boxes that come next? Or is it time to reevaluate and decide me what next steps look like? Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that. And it absolutely makes me think of just like that feeling of being out of alignment. And also that in my work with people over the years, the other thing that sometimes comes up if it's not that feeling of out of alignment is like that little voice inside that's like, is this it? Mm -hmm. Like, 
like, is this it? You know, like, is there, is there not more? Or like, there's this feeling that like there's something missing, which can happen, right? When we're so devoted to, as you, you said, these like external forms of validation and recognition and affirmation, as opposed to, I loved that you used the word compass before, but that internal compass of like, what is it that really matters to us? Like, what are the values that we're trying to live? And what what is it that we want to be creating in the world? I totally relate that with that. I remember the first time I had that feeling of, is this it, was, I think it was 2018, and I went to a therapy appointment. And I had been to therapy in the past, but I decided to re-engage and I wasn't quite sure why. And I remember in the Mm. first session that I had with a woman, I couldn't find the words to describe why I was there, but all that I could say was, I want to live a bigger life than I'm living now. I want to live a more expanded life than I'm living now. And I just felt stuck. And I think that was the beginning of that phase of like, is this it, right? And I think um, as I dove into that area, and I think sometimes certain birthdays bring up certain emotions and I was about to turn, (laughs) I was about to turn 30 in the process of changing my path. And I think I looked back on my 20s and noticed all these boxes that I had checked. And I said, okay, but now I'm turning 30. Now what? Right? Like I'm too young to feel that I've got where I needed to get. And I knew that there was something more. And I knew there was something bigger. And I didn't quite know what that was. And it's scary. It's scary when you come to that point at such a young age and you feel stuck, you feel lost, you feel confused, you feel like you should feel grateful for the life that you have. And instead, you're feeling maybe like you need more. And what does that more Mm -hmm. look like? Absolutely. And what does meaning and fulfillment look like? Mm -hmm. Right? Because the chasing that external stuff, um, usually, the like the high it gives us is fleeting, right? It's not something that that sticks around when those things aren't the ones that are deeply connected to like our our deepest innermost desires, which is so much more grounded in feeling, right? Um, I would love because I know that you do a lot of work. Um, I know you told us that you had this this um, career for over ten years in in tech and tech sales. And I know that as part of your realignment, you are no longer in that industry, but are serving that industry and many other workplaces with really incredible mindfulness-based programming. Could we talk for a few moments about success specifically in the workplace? Because I think there's like success in our lives and then there's like what we think success looks like in the workplace, which I think can equally be a source of all sorts of stickiness in our lives. 
A hundred percent. And that's exactly why I decided to step away from the corporate world and start my own business in corporate mindfulness because I was doing my own work when I was still in corporate. I was still in sales um, leadership roles. I was doing my own work. I had become certified as a meditation teacher and I was diving deep into this world. And I was fortunate enough to start bringing what I was learning into my experiences with my team. And what I mm. recognized was we're lacking that in our organizations and in our workplaces. Oftentimes we can get so, so focused on the tangibles and the goals and the deadlines and the milestones that we're working towards that we forget that there's humans working towards those. And if we're not working on yeah. the minds and on the stress levels and on the mindset blocks of the people, we're holding ourselves back both as individuals and as organizations. So as I started to embed that part of myself into my roles in corporate, I started to recognize the gap that existed. And I was so fortunate to be surrounded by a lot of high performing, high achieving people for my whole career. And one thing that I noticed that impacted every single person from the entry level people coming in from university all the way up to the senior level executives and CEOs of these companies was stress. Stress was something yeah. that impacted everyone and they didn't have the tools. We don't have the tools and we're not taught how to manage this. And so instead we just continue to drive forward and we continue to drive ourselves to this point of burnout, which is something that's so prevalent in our workplaces these days. And we're so loosely throwing around this term of burnout. If this project doesn't end soon, I'm going to be burnt out you know, people working all hours of the day and weekends just to get things done, to recognize that that cycle never ends. And so can we reach success through just driving forward and grinding in this hustle culture that we are all accustomed to? Sure, we can. We've experienced it. We've seen it happen. We've heard other people's stories. But is that sustainable? No. And I think that's what we're realizing. Really, yeah, but also, is it really success? Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, like I, I think um, one of the things that is always really interesting to me is just like when you are in that place of like the hustle and the grinding, there is some compartmentalizing that ends up happening where it's almost like you're ignoring these needs that you have often in your body um, and but also it could be your more intuitive intelligence or your more emotional intelligence and then there's this like process of fragmentation where we aren't ourselves anymore and I think that's why so many people at least in my experience end up like you know getting the awards and the recognition and like the perfect GPA or like the promotions and all the accolades at work, but they feel like they've lost themselves in the process. 
Exactly. You're, you're exactly right. And that's what happens when we subscribe to that definition of success equals money, status and power. And we don't reevaluate that because once we get there and we get those awards and the accolades that are rewarding us for this very traditional, very established definition of success, sometimes it's not till we get there that we realize oh, like, I don't feel fulfilled. And this doesn't Mm -hmm. feel like what I thought success would feel like. I think we all can imagine and fantasize on what success feels like as we are working through our journey. And I think it's so unfortunate that oftentimes we continue chasing this feeling that we've never quite experienced, but we can only imagine. And once we get there in quotations and we recognize that that feeling isn't quite the same as what we thought it would be. It's at that point where so many people have to reevaluate. And for me, I want to bring this into workplaces so people in the younger generation starting out in their career can take time early to establish what their definition of success is. And yes, this is going to always be evolving as life changes and circumstances change. But when you can be tuned in to checking in on that definition and redefining it as necessary, again, we can use that as our driving force. We can use that as our compass moving forward so we don't get to the point where we're in our 40s 50s 60s retirement whatever that looks like and realize wait this is what i've been fighting for this whole time and how have i lost myself along the way and how did this impact the other areas of my life because we all know our life is comprised of so many buckets and so many priorities and work and success is are not everything. It strikes me that in addition to, you know, that common definition of success with those pillars that you've shared with us of money, fame, title, um, and this might be from my my background, and because I work with so many people in um, helping roles uh, and NGOs and mental health and education, but is also like that deep feeling that like we're not successful or we haven't done a good job if we haven't helped every single person to the very best of our abilities. And again, I think there's that like common theme there of which speaks to your work and why it matters so much is in doing that and trying to help every single person to the best of our abilities, if, if that is how you're defining success, which maybe is a little bit different. But what's happening is, again, that like disconnection from yourself with like, what are your needs? What do you need to feel supported? What are your desires? Which comes back to that mindful connection. And so let's talk about that for a moment because I absolutely think that this and I'll actually I'll share a personal story for a moment which is um once upon a time when I worked in higher education I um had what 
I considered like the great joy of supervising a lot of people and a lot of students. One of the things that um, they often told me (laughs) was that they had never had a supervisor like me. And I am sure it was the same with your team when you started bringing back all of your mindfulness into the workplace. But I carved out a whole lot of space and time for reflection, for having conversations about like what mattered to them, what were the things that they liked doing, what were their skills and talents that they felt were being underutilized, but like really having those like deep, meaningful, juicy conversations, seeing them as a human, like you said, and with like a deep commitment to how can I, in my leadership role, create a space where people can show up as their whole selves? Because I think nothing kills creativity more than when people feel suffocated or like it, like they can't show up as like their bright, shiny selves. And I'm curious, like, because I know that so much of mindfulness is things is, is our own capacity to tune in and check in with ourselves. But I'd love to hear in your work supporting organizations, like, and any thoughts you have on how we can be creating spaces where there is more room for those meaningful conversations, those value-based conversations, that level of connection that goes beyond the metrics, but to like how people feel, what their needs are, how they want to be supported. Yeah, so I, I think it starts with the leadership team at organizations is and and training our leadership leaders in how to hold space. And you and I are familiar with this concept of holding space, but not everyone is. And I think yeah. there's systemic issues that exist and, and deep-rooted issues that exist around you know, leaders, and I have a problem just myself on how so many leaders are promoted. It's like, especially coming from the sales world. So often, if you're the top sales rep, you're eventually going to be the one promoted to a leadership role. And that, that there's a disconnect there, because just because you're a high performing individual contributor, it doesn't necessarily yes. mean that you're going to be a the right person for this leadership role to manage and to supervise and to guide a group and a team. So I think first off is- And to help others flourish. It's a totally different skill set, right? It's a totally different skill set. And I think we're being, we're promoting people into these roles based upon the wrong skill sets. And we're not, and which is fine as long as we're training people and, and putting them through the right um, trainings and basically training yeah. to help them, <laughs> <It's so> up, <laughs> help them evolve as, as leaders, right? So I think it's how are you conducting your one-on-ones? Like a one-on-one is such a precious moment in time that you have with your team members and they're common one-on-ones are common across so many industries where your manager will meet with their with their team individually and I think too often we're spending and I want to almost say wasting that time together talking about 
project updates and where deals are in the pipeline. And it's different for every role, but it's the day-to-day -day tactical stuff where I think in these opportunities to meet with your team one-on-one -on -one is the time where you can get to know them as people, get to know what makes them tick, get to know what motivates them, what scares them, yeah. what's holding them back, right? And I think we're missing too often this opportunity to explore that relationship and explore the relationship that our team members have with the organization, with the industry, with the clients that they're working with and help support them from that perspective because there's so much power in that. And I remember when I was working with my team, um, running through some core values exercises with them. And it was such a powerful experience because I think like all roles, salespeople, there's, there's stereotypes that come with it. And one of the stereotypes is they're driven by money and that's it, right? And I wanted to debunk that stereotype um, because sure, money can be important. It's a something that we all you know, need in society in order to live and, and, and thrive. But at the same time, there's something that's behind that money. Like, why do you want to make money? What's the lifestyle that you want to live? Where do you want to put this money? How do you want to do good with this money? Whatever that looks like for each individual. And sometimes it takes having that deeper conversation and those deeper exercises, like a core values exercise, to get someone to really dig deep inside themselves and understand themselves more and what is truly important to them and it just gives their their role some more depth it gives them that fulfillment that purpose that you were talking about earlier in our chat yeah absolutely and i couldn't agree more um just the power of going those like unpeeling some of the layers to get to the deeper core values that are there that are driving us that are motivating us that are propelling us um and the way in which that is not only helpful for ourselves but I think I I think they're especially this like next generation is really wanting more from the workplace and like there is a feeling of connection that's missing which is I think one of the reasons we're seeing so many people feeling really unfulfilled and and in some cases quitting jobs but like also the burnout the medical leaves all of that um and there is often for people from that time of because they have been disconnected there's not knowing what it is that they want, which the core values can help with. And I know there's another exercise that you have been doing with some of your clients that has been really, really helpful for helping people tune in to like, what is it that they really want? For sure. So I've had some clients bring me in in the last month or so to work with their teams around work-life balance. Mm. And I think work-life balance is this concept that 
an interesting one because it's almost been overused and over talked about over the years. Yes. <laughs> the eyes glaze over when someone says it a little bit. Exactly. The eye roll of, okay, yeah, work-life balance, right? And we've tried to label it differently of work-life integration and work-life harmony. And it's like, how can we put a new fresh spin on this concept? But I think the reality is, again, it's giving people this opportunity. And when I come in and work with organizations, we take that hour, hour and a half out of their workday to work through this both education and also active participation. Because for my sessions that I run, it's so important to me that people are leaving with a curiosity and with the quick win of how they can start to implement these changes in their life. And I always say I'm not big on filling a presentation with statistics and definitions and facts because yes, they're important, but they don't necessarily invoke change. And I'm really big on introducing the concept in a way that people feel that it's um, accessible to them and that it can bring change in their life and ultimately benefit them. So one of the exercises that I've been doing in terms of work-life balance is guiding the team through a visualization focused on your ideal workday and keeping work-life balance at the forefront. And it's typically a 15-20 minute exercise and I'll guide them from the moment that they wake up and kind of allow them to fill in the details with some prompts all the way to the moment that they put their head on the pillow at night. And it's so interesting to hear the feedback at the end and hear people share about what that exercise was like for them. And I think so often when we hear this idea of we're going to create this ideal workday in our mind, right? Our minds immediately step in and say, yeah, but like, yeah, that, that doesn't make sense. It's not realistic. This is a waste of my time. And I kind of encourage them to push past that and really lean into the exercise because by the end of it, the goal is not necessarily to live out this picture perfect day every day. It's, it's not realistic. But two things. One, there are definitely little micro changes that you can implement into your day that have come up in your ideal work day that will bring that change, right? Is it how, what time you wake up in the morning? How many times do you push the snooze button, right? Is it, how do you indicate the beginning of your work day? Is it a location? Is it an event? Is it a meeting? Is it a ritual? Like, what is it, right? And those things, are easily implementable. And then the second part is what's the feeling that was invoked throughout this visualization? And when I guide the guide them at the very end, what they're feeling when they put their head down on their pillow at the end of their ideal work day, they really linger there so that people can fully understand what is this feeling of balance to them. And for everyone, it's going to be different, right? And then that's the goal. It's like, how can we each day get a little bit closer to bringing that feeling out? 
because every day is going to look different. Our tasks look different. Our circumstances look different. Oftentimes, we're not necessarily in control of our calendar and the things that come up in our day. And yes, can we take back some of that control? Of course. And I, you know, guide teams through how we do that, through prioritizing and boundaries and identifying the difference between important and urgent and, and all that type of thing, all those type of things. But the reality is if we have this feeling of balance for us and we can build our days around achieving that feeling or working towards that feeling, um, that's where we can really start feeling that impact uh, internally and start defining what success looks like for us at the micro level. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I wholeheartedly agree. And I am just like so delighted to hear you talking about grounding this exercise in feeling. Um, I know that my approach to coaching is in like, entirely grounded in feeling and this idea that like the actual tangibles of what it is that we're working on can change but the feelings that we want are the things that are going to be that north star that we can keep coming back to and checking in like that compass exactly like you said and the ideal day exercise is is one of my favorites too to do with clients and I find that it can also, for people who are feeling really unfulfilled or like something is missing, it can give them clues. Not just to like what they can change like immediately, you know, like maybe it's having more time in nature outside or making sure that they are like having time to cook themselves a nice meal, but it, it can also give them clues as to where there is a misalignment, whether that means that they need to change roles, maybe at the same company, but they want to start to, you know, invest in shifting in another direction, or maybe it is time for them to do something different or to change their relationship with work. Um, But And for those people who are like, oh my gosh, I hate my job, and it is unsalvageable, which sometimes happens, um, that ideal day exercise can give them clues as to what might be right for them. And so it's it's like such a juicy exercise, isn't it? It totally is. And I totally agree. It's honestly, at the end of the day, it's taking that step back and it's checking in. And so often we don't give ourselves that permission to do that. And especially when we're feeling out of balance and we're feeling overwhelmed and we're feeling like we're on the verge of burnout, the last thing, it doesn't feel intuitive to take a step back. You're just on autopilot. You're on autopilot. You're moving forward. You're just trying to get to the other side and what I love is when we give these employees and teams the opportunity to take that step back is when these light bulb moments often do come up because we all have the answers within. We know that, but we're on autopilot 
far too often. I was going to say 99% of the time, but let's just say far too often we're spending our days on autopilot. I always say the moment that you pick up your phone in the morning is the moment your workday starts. And for too many of us, and I'm, I hear it all the time, our alarm goes off, we pick up our phone to turn the alarm off. And while we're there, we have a homepage of notifications, we're checking our emails, we're checking our socials, and our brain is immediately switched from sleeping to fully on. And yeah. oftentimes we stay in that on go, go, go mode for the entire day until we put our head down at night and we do it all over again, over and over and over. And no wonder we're getting lost and we're feeling disconnected from ourselves and we're striving towards things that may or may not be out of alignment. And we're, you know, listening to other people's expectations because we're not taking that time for ourselves to reconnect and to ensure that that guiding star, that compass that we're working towards is aligned. Mm, yeah. I, yeah, completely. I am. Um, I really love hearing in your approach, just how empowering it is in terms of reminding people of their own agency and those, you call them those little micro shifts that they have the capacity to make. And so I wonder to kind of wrap up our conversation and, and leave people with, I know that people can do an ideal day exercise for themselves and start to get curious about what their day could look like and where they have moments, um, maybe where they can start to make some micro shifts. Do you have any other suggestions for people right now who might be listening and going, oh yeah, I really need to take a step back and a compassionate and curious look, but a look all the same at how I'm defining success and whether or not I'm living in alignment with my values. There's so many different ways. I think journaling is one practice that I absolutely love. And that is relatively easy to start. How can you, you know, sit down in the morning or at night, whenever it feels right for you and just start journaling. And there's so many prompts out there and you can always reach out to me and I can share some redefining success prompts with you. But just start to get your thoughts out on paper. And I think once you get going, at first it's challenging to just have a blank page and just start writing. But once you start, it's oftentimes surprising what comes out onto paper. And you can always start with just what does success look like for me? Yeah. What does success look like for me? And just allow yourself to write whatever comes up. And there's no right or wrong answer. There's no amount that's too long or too short and then start to dive in like where did this definition come from right like how did this come to be and mm -hmm. I think as we start to dive deeper and deeper and and that power of writing it down there's just something about that that is different than if we just sit there and contemplate it and think about it because we spend too much time in our head to begin with yes. and there's so much going on there and it's yeah, there's so much power in just getting it out on paper. So I think it's journaling exercise for sure. Anyone listening rolled 
their eyes. When Sylvana just said journaling, I'm going to talk to you right now. <laughs> and if it helps, think of it as list making instead. I know some of my clients like hate the idea of journaling, but list making feels very doable. But that idea, which you talked about that's so powerful of making it tangible and getting it out of your head and into the world, even if it's just like a voice recording that you do for yourself, um, it, it is so powerful, like speaking it and putting it out into the world. For sure. And I think having those conversations with the people closest to you, uh, whether you have a coach or someone you work with or a group of friends or peers that you can start having these conversations with and opening up discussions around what does success look like. And then eventually, once we get comfortable and once we get a little bit more secure in what our definition truly is, how can we have those conversations with our managers and with our leadership team so we can start bringing this back into the workplace? It's so important to work on this as individuals. This is obviously in an individual exercise that we all have to work on. But there's also the importance of bringing this back into our workplaces so that we can start impacting the yes. cultures and start shifting these ideals that have been deep rooted for a long time. And I think that the biggest challenge that is existing right now, just to kind of wrap up, gone are the days where we can book a yoga class on Fridays for the company or sign the team up for a Calm app or a Headspace app and check that box and say, great, we've taken care of the mental health and the employee wellness of our team. And it's like, no, that is step one, it's important. But this is a much bigger challenge that needs to be addressed. And we need to move from talking about it to actually doing and actually putting action steps in place as organizations so that we can embed employee wellness into our the culture of our organizations and that we can put it at the forefront of the success of organizations because the reality is when we take care of our people and we know this at the core we know that when we take care of their, our people our organizations are stronger and and both the individuals and the companies benefit in so many ways that we're just not seeing today so i think the future is bright we're on the path we're getting there but there's still so much work to do and I'm excited to be at the forefront of this movement as well oh my gosh yes I couldn't agree more and speaking as someone who has done a lot of being the person to come in and do the corporate yoga classes or the corporate you know meditations and wellness workshops um I I really so deeply believe in what you're saying that it is it's not enough. And what's way more important is how we take those tools and use them outside of that time, like in the one-on-one -on -one meetings, in the team meetings, when we're thinking about emailing someone after hours, like how we use what we've learned and actually put it into action to change the workplace cultures. And that is just like so, so deeply needed. So I'm grateful that you are doing this work in the world. Um, 
And I'm grateful for this really empowering message that you have of encouraging people, not just to check in and do the work themselves, but to take it back and to know that they have power when they are talking with people at their workplace, that there is agency and choice in how they choose to show up and to create spaces where some of these conversations can start to happen. So thank you, thank you, thank you for the beautiful work that you are doing in the world, for being with us today. And I know that people can absolutely reach out to you. Um, Your organization, your company name is Be Wellness, B-E-E Wellness. Is there anything else you'd like to share? I just want to say thank you so much for having me. I love what you're doing as well. I love the overlap that exists and how we're And also the differences, because I think we're serving different audiences as well, which is so important because everyone needs the work in mindfulness that is being done. Thank you so much for joining us today for this episode. I really hope it served you and gave you a few little nuggets to reflect on in the days and weeks ahead. As always, you're welcome to share those reflections with me can get in touch on my website, meganjohnston.com or on Instagram at Megan L. Johnston. Until we meet again, keep living with heart and wonder.